Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, LifePoint. It's good to see all of you here today. Back in 2010, some of you will remember, there was a mining accident that took place in Chile. And in that mine were trapped 33 miners, 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth, almost more than three miles from the entrance that they had come in. And they were trapped in this one compartment down below ground with very little food, trying to ration it out and wondering if they would ever get out, would this be their burial? And you may remember that story when they kept wondering, will I ever get out of here? Will I ever get out of here? Will I ever get out of here? That it took 69 days. And on that 69th day in October of 2010, millions of people across the world watched the live stream as they were finally able to make their way down. And one by one, they pulled those miners out of uh, the mine and all of them survived. And we were so grateful to see that story, but we were captivated by this story. Even today, movies and books have been written about this moment in life and there's just something about it that kind of resonates with all of us, isn't it there? There's something about seeing people stuck and trapped and scared that resonates with the human experience, doesn't it? You may never be trapped in a mind, I hope that you're not, but you will feel moments in your life where you feel that sense of being overwhelmed and maybe you're even there, there's no doubt in a room with this many people that some of you've walked in today and you feel that sense of being trapped. Maybe it's by hopelessness, maybe it's by a frustration, maybe there's something in your life that's making you angry or there's something in your life that just seems to be causing burnout in your life. There's some relationships and there's something, circumstances you find yourself in that you never thought you would be in and you you just feel trapped. You don't think there's ever going to be an escape. And you're wondering, how can I find freedom? It's been a lot more than 69 days and you're still there. And I just want you to know that is why we're looking at this ancient story because it's a common and repeating story. We're looking at this ancient story of Jonah and what we're finding is over and over in this book, we are taught, we are being instructed on how to navigate a turnaround, how to find freedom when we feel trapped. And maybe that's you today. And we saw last week that this is an incredibly controversial story as it turns out because a lot of scholars believe it's a metaphor. Other scholars believe it was a literal event in human history. And we're saying either way, we know we don't want to miss the point that this, this includes lots of timeless truths that help us navigate the places we don't want to end up but we end up there anyway, how do we turn things around? That's what we're gonna look at again today. So if you got your Bibles, we're gonna look at Jonah chapter two today, but before we do, you may remember last week, we looked at this theme. This is a cycle in Jonah's life. By the way, this is a cycle in your life and in mine, and that is it begins with God telling Jonah something so he knows what he ought to do. He goes, yeah, but I would rather do something else, and he rebels. Sound familiar? If you're a parent, you're like, yep, I've seen that cycle. You look in the mirror, you've seen that cycle just like me. And this ends in turmoil. This is where we feel trapped. This is where we feel overwhelmed. This is where we feel like life didn't turn out like we thought. And then we come to this place 
where we surrender, where we turn back, where we become desperate, we aren't sure what to do. And then we see this theme, this cycle happen over and over again in Jonah's life throughout this book. And guess what? It's in your life too. You could in fact replace the word Jonah with your name and this is a picture of your life and mine. And if you missed last week, let me just catch you up in one minute. Last week what we saw was God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and you'll see on this map, he went the opposite way. He went to Tarshish. He refused to go to the mountains of Iraq. He instead chose the southern coast of Spain. Maybe he's not such a dumb guy after all. That sounds a little more attractive, right? But in this case, God told him to go to Nineveh. He said, nope, not going to go. And so he boards a boat headed to Tarshish and the storm comes up and the sailors reluctantly cast him overboard into the sea and the seas finally calm down. And that's where we left it last week. But I was holding out on you. I didn't share the last verse of chapter one. In Jonah and that's where we got to pick up today and if you are here and you or someone you know is going through a difficult season of life I pray that today's insights from Jonah will be incredibly helpful as we look at this incredibly ancient story but let's pick up where I left off last week and that is the last verse of chapter 1 we're gonna look at that final verse at what happened to Jonah Verse 17, it says, from um, chapter one, now the Lord provided a, say these next two words with me, huge fish. Yeah, it was a huge fish. You say, was it a whale? Well, here we go, watch this. He provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, not like, you know, like you, you see some people, they like to swim with the dolphins. This is kind of a beautiful, serene. This is not one of those moments. This is not like Instagram worthy. This is like, oh, he got swallowed by a huge fish. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is such a scary thought that one artist in Greece painted this photo on a monastery that captures kind of the evilness. Some people say that looks more like an alligator, but either way, this is how he painted it because in your mind and in mine, this doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. This sounds like a scary experience. And I want you to imagine this theme shows up all throughout our literature where you see someone stuck and they can't get out where someone feels like, if you even look at Pinocchio, right? We see they're caught in the belly of a whale. We see this story over and over again where someone is stuck and they feel trapped and they can't get out. And you imagine if you're Jonah, you think you're going where you wanna go even though you know where God told you to go and you get on this boat and all of a sudden, because of the storm, you have the rising ocean, you have the falling rain, you have the, the strong winds and the lightning and the thunder, and all of a sudden you're thrown overboard and splash, you hit the water and you begin to sink and a fish, probably not looking like that, but a fish swallows you. You, my friends, are trapped. You aren't going anywhere. You're stuck and some of you feel that way like I didn't expect to go here I didn't expect to land here I didn't think life was going to turn out this way my emotional health my relationships my circumstances with my business it's not going the way I thought it would go with my finances and all of a sudden you feel that same sense of entrapment it is part of the human experience and Jonah has something to teach us here what do you do when you're in that place and you begin to ask this same age-old question Will I ever get out of here? 
And I don't have to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever wondered that. Because I know we would all say we've wondered that. Some of you are getting hungry for lunch and you're in church right now and you're already wondering that question here. Will I ever get out? I know, I understand. It's what we all think. It's a common question. Will I ever get out of here? I just want you to know, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, this is a common experience to find ourselves somewhere we didn't want to be asking this question. But the really good news is in chapter two, we see the cycle of Jonah's life begin to turn and he prays a prayer from a place where he's trapped that teaches us how to respond when we feel trapped. And it is a beautiful prayer. Look with me in Jonah chapter two, beginning in verse two. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. You ever done that? You ever been in that place where you're like, man, I am desperate. I don't know what else to do. I am out of knowledge. I am out of ideas. God, I'm either desperate for you or I'm cursing you, but either way, I am desperate. You ever been there? Here's the really good news. Jonah discovers in this moment that God was listening. Because look at the last part of verse two. He said, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. In the worst possible position, Jonah discovered that God was there listening to his cry. But now I want you to see what he did. It's the same thing you and I always do when we find ourselves in bad circumstances. Look what he says in verse three. You hurled me, God, you hurled me into the depths. You hurled me into the very heart of the sea. And I think, whoa, 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 now no, wait a minute. We read in chapter one, God didn't hurl Jonah into the ocean. The sailors hurled Jonah into the ocean. But that isn't the case from Jonah's perspective. He believes that God is involved in all circumstances, that he has authority over all things, and he recognizes God's authority even here. Now, I don't know about you, but every time things go upside down and life gets hard, I'm always asking this question, whose fault is this? Who's to blame? Did God do this? Did Jonah do this? Did the sailors do this? And the answer is, like it almost always is, the answer is yes. There was involvement in all parties. But Jonah recognizes God's sovereignty, his authority over all things. But watch how he felt in that place. And I bet you can relate if you're there now. Look at verse four. Jonah said, I had been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. In other words, banished meaning abandoned. Jonah's saying, I, God, I felt abandoned by you. When I was in that storm and things were upside down, when the sailors threw me in and then I was swallowed by this fish, when I've been here for however many days now, I felt abandoned by you. I thought you had thrown me into the abyss. I thought you had thrown me into a watery grave. I thought you no longer cared, but now he's beginning to realize, oh, my, my actions have led to consequences, but it wasn't you abandoning me. Jonah is realizing something that I think it takes years for us as adults to embrace, and that is this, that the consequences were about him being corrected, not rejected. 
And sometimes when I face the consequences of my actions, I feel rejected. And Jonah is beginning to unravel the two things. Oh, see, if I treat you a certain way and you're bitter toward me and then I change and I'm still facing the consequences of my actions, that isn't you rejecting me. That, is, that isn't God rejecting me. That is God correcting me. And now I have to embrace and I have to walk through the difficulty of trying to restore a relationship. I am not automatically fixed in my relationship with you even though I may be repaired in my relationship with God. As parents, we do this all the time, don't we? We discipline our children for the idea of correcting them not rejecting them. In the same way, Jonah is realizing, oh, this is how this is working with God. And now he goes on, and I think this is a hilariously specific detail that you may never notice in the Jonah and the well story, and that is in verse five. It says, Jonah, as he's praying, he says, the engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me. And then he says, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. It's like he has a seaweed turban. He's become a a piece of Israeli sushi, right? He's like, God, it's so bad that I even have seaweed wrapped. I'm thinking of all things he can complain about. That seems to be the least important thing. But he's even mentioning the fact that he's got his head wrapped in seaweed. I don't know about you, but of all the ways, like being trapped in in a mine or being falling at the bottom of the ocean, to me, they're equally scary in my mind. Like, I don't want any part of either one. If you've ever been to the bottom of the ocean floor and you see how dark and how quiet and I think how scary it can be, for whatever reason, that is one of my fears. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm good with land, right? And in fact, I remember one time, I emphasized one time, Ginger and I went scuba diving, my wife and I, was many, many years ago, And I always get seasick anytime I go sailing, anytime I go out whale watching or on a boat. But I thought, well, maybe if we sea dive, uh, go scuba diving, I'll get into the water and I'll be okay. The problem was I go to the instructional thing and and we're down in Cancun. And and then they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to drop you in about eight feet of water. And you'll sit at the bottom of the ocean floor. But you'll sit in a circle and then we'll give the final instructions and then we'll take you out to actually have some fun. Sounded good to me. So we got to the spot where they were just going to drop us in eight feet of water or so. And I said, I'll go first. I jump in. And nobody comes. A few minutes go by. Nobody's coming. And I'm like, is this like, am I being punked? Is this kind of a prank, right? And you know how the current of the water, you feel it kind of moving you up and down? And after a while, I'm thinking, I'm floating out into the middle of the ocean. I'm going to get lost out here and no one's ever gonna find me, and this is the way the story ends. And as I begin to panic just a little bit, I feel someone tap me on the shoulder. Well, it turns out I was sitting in the circle, but I was facing out, and everybody else was facing in. I turn around, and the scuba instructor's like, there you go, and I'm embarrassed, and I spin around, and we did our thing. And just if you're wondering, we went out and I got seasick and I'd never went scuba diving. I just spent the two hours feeding the fish. Uh, But I feel for Jonah. I'm telling you, I'm like, I get it, man. That is scary. I didn't even have seaweed around my head and that was scary. But look at verse six because he's gonna continue his prayer saying he felt doomed and he says, but you, Lord, my God, you brought my life up from the pit. And this is a Hebrew word that's talking about the word trapped, like lions would be trapped. He's saying, you brought me out from the trap. 
It's interesting because this is a trap that he would say he was repeatedly falling into. In fact, spoiler alert, we're going to see next time he falls into the trap again. This is the journey of his life to repeatedly fall into this trap. And this is kind of like how life works, isn't it? I bet if you look at your life, you could probably identify one or two traps that you tend to fall into over and over again. And at some point, we got to ask ourselves, why? Why am I continually falling into the same trap? It's just a good, honest question. And Jonah is wrestling with this. You, Lord, brought me out of this repeated trap that I keep falling into. But notice the next part of his prayer, verse 7, gives so much hope. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I thought it was over with. I thought you had abandoned me, but now I know better. Some of you feel that. Some of you are in that place. I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you he's in the next part of the cycle see the cycle again if you were to look at this on this cycle we see okay he's been in turmoil and now all of chapter two we see him turning back to God he's finally in that place where he says I remembered you Lord I am desperate for you and I still don't know the answers but I bet you do I know how I got here and I need you to get me out of here God, I'm desperate for you. And he remembered the Lord. And then watch what he says. And this is such important insight. I'm telling you, if you ever figure this piece out, this is transformational. Look at verse eight. Look what he says. Those who cling to, say these next two words with me, worthless idols, turn away from, say these next two words with me, God's love for them. In other words, this is the competition for your heart for the rest of your life. Worthless idols versus God's love. Now you may say, worthless idols? I thought, worthless, I thought idols were like golden statues. But what we know throughout the Bible is idols are simply anything we place above God, anything we worship or desire more than God. A lot of times idols are good things that we make ultimate things. And in Jonah's life, he was told to go to Nineveh, but he decided not to. He decided he wanted control of his life, and that became an idol for him. He wanted his desire more than God's desire. And now he realizes the ultimate battle in the human heart. He says, oh, my worthless idol, doing what I wanted to do, was actually turning me away from God's love. And here in this place of being trapped, I realize the difference. I have chosen my desires over your love. I'm telling you, if you ever figure that out and you begin to realize, oh, the things that I want more than God are the things that will actually keep me from God's love. And Jonah has finally figured this out. Jonah decided he wanted to worship God most. Now, in America, we see this all the time, don't we? Things like money, success, achievement, we would say are idols. We can spot it in other people. These are good things that are easy to make ultimate things. And maybe you're there and you wrestle with that one. Hey, as parents, we can make our kids idols. Good things that we make the ultimate thing. We can do this in any area of our lives. As a pastor, I'll confess, one of the areas that I struggle 
from the beginning of my ministry is I really wanna be part of a growing church that's impacting a community. And I hear God sometimes whisper to me, do you desire a growing church more than you desire me? Good thing that can become an ultimate thing. I would ask you, in your life, what is the thing that is most tempting to become an idol? The thing that is good, perhaps, that you're tempted to make ultimate. And what Jonah would tell us is, that is the very thing that is most likely to lead us away from God's love. So with that said, watch what he says. Here's the really good news. From the belly of a well, look at verse nine. He says, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you What I have vowed, I will make good. And I will say, and I love these five words. Would you say them with me? Salvation comes from the Lord. This is so important. Would you say it one more time? Salvation comes from the Lord. Now, if you're in the place where you're struggling because life isn't going the way you think it should or you hoped it would, If you remember these five words, and I don't know how it'll manifest itself in your life, but if you'll cling to this truth, it is permanently, eternally true. Salvation comes from the Lord. And if you're like me, you're gonna think, okay, so then how can I strategize X, Y, Z? Hang on. Salvation comes from the Lord. And that truth, it took Jonah to come to this place before he realized it. But here's what's fascinating. Jonah has found salvation, but where is Jonah currently? He's still trapped, and yet he's saying he's found freedom. Jonah is claiming that his circumstances haven't changed, but he has found salvation. Isn't that fascinating? You would think he would say that once he's on dry land, once he's freed from the pit, But from this place, he's saying he's found salvation. And what it reminds me of, and man, it's so easy for me to forget this, is that freedom is not found in changing your circumstances. I think it will be. I think it should be. I look at the surface of my life and that's all I can see are my circumstances. And so I assume that's what needs to change in order for me to be free. But what Jonah reminds us of is no, actually salvation is where we find freedom. Now notice what he's saying. He's saying that the whale wasn't what he needed to be freed from. His idols were what he needed to be freed from. And for the first time, maybe forever, or certainly the first time in a long time, he had found freedom from the thing that had really trapped him, his idols. And it was in that place, even though he was still physically trapped, even though his circumstances hadn't changed, that he found salvation. Why is this such a big deal? And this is, this is a hard truth to digest. Because you have to go back to the very first verse we looked at. At the very end of chapter one, Jonah is connecting dots for us and watch what he says. He said in Jonah chapter one, verse 17, that the Lord provided a huge fish that swallowed Jonah. And let me ask you, who provided the fish? 
And that's the part of the story we don't like. And Jonah is connecting the dots when he said, you hurled me into the sea. And I am in this trapped situation, Lord, that you provided. Jonah needed to be rescued from his idol more than the whale, and he's finally embraced that. And here's a hard truth, that God has a way of handcrafting environments that are designed to produce your transformation, that are designed to produce your freedom. And sometimes it feels like, no, I'm just trapped when God's actually trying to free us from the real trap that holds us. You see, I don't know how your handcrafted environments have looked over your life, but I bet we could all sit around here and tell stories of times God used hard and difficult circumstances to rattle something loose in our life. I know for me that was the case when I was having a personally handcrafted environment that God designed for my transformation, but instead of a whale, it was a public failure when we closed a church plant in 2011. And I'll never forget after three years, after that final service, afterwards we were reflecting over the previous three years and a board member quietly and gently and privately asked me this question. Mark, do you think we prayed enough? And I didn't like his question, and I hated the answer. And in that moment, I determined, God, if you'll use me again, we will pray first, and we will pray often, and if we if we ever fail again, it will not be because we didn't pray enough. And honestly, it's why a year and a half ago, when we began to talk about what our future as a church would be, and we begin to discern, God, it feels like you're up to something. Before we begin to strategize, before we begin to have meetings, before we begin to take steps, the first thing we did was we began to pray over in the Connection Center, and some of you began to come to those. And we begin to gather and pray over the future of our church. And it is why next week when we gather for the very first time in our public, uh, public gathering, we are going to pray at our new campus with step one. Because we recognize that all the things that God wants to do, only God can do. And so we will begin with open hands and say, Lord, would you lead us? Would you give us wisdom? And would you use this place for your glory? It is nothing but a tool. We want to be on mission for you. And I invite you to join us next Sunday at 4 o'clock as we pray together. For me, that was a lesson from that failed church plant. But there was another lesson that was important for me to learn because I was a little disillusioned after we closed because I had this assumption that I don't know where I picked it up but I thought if I obeyed God things would turn out better I thought if I obey God in fact things would turn out pretty good I don't know where I learned that maybe you've picked up on that along the way and when things didn't turn out well I was rattled thinking wait a minute did I miss here is God not big enough 
Is he not good enough? And secretly, I begin to pray, well, okay, God, if this is what it's like to follow you, I'm not sure I want to. Because I felt like God had abandoned me and us, and I felt like I was in a pit. I almost felt like I had seaweed wrapped around my head. So I needed help. So I asked for help. I, I, I needed help to process that, to figure that out. It was one of the first times I not only was really leaning into mentors, but I, I began to seek counseling for that and discovered there are insecurities in me that were driving me to over-focus on results and outcomes. And it was one of the lessons God began to teach me in my life is my job is obedience and God's job is outcomes. And I needed to be able to discern the two. My job is obedience and his job is outcomes. And man, that's a difficult but freeing thing to learn. See, it turns out I learned a lot from a church plant. Jonah learned a lot from a whale. But what about you? Maybe today you find yourself in a dark place where you feel buried, you feel trapped, you feel overwhelmed, you even feel abandoned. But it might just be the perfect environment that God has you in for growth and transformation. The really good news is this story happens to end with deliverance from the circumstances. It's a little messy, but here it is in verse 10. Verse 10 says, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Enjoy your lunch. <laughs> Jonah is freed from the difficult circumstances. So how do we have a turnaround? Well, we saw last week, number one, you've got to wake up and own up to your part of the problem. And in this week's prayer, we see from Jonah, you've got to surrender to God's will. You will not want to naturally do that ever. It is one of the hardest things from the time you hear his voice and the time you want to do something else. The shorter we can shrink that gap, that is spiritual maturity. Okay, God, I don't want to do it, but it's what you want me to do. I'm going to surrender to your will. So let me go back to the original question. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you feel trapped and you're asking that age-old question, will I ever get out of here? Jonah teaches us there's one way out. Surrendering to God's will is the pathway to freedom. There's one way out, and it's surrendering to God's will. It's open-handed. God, I'm giving this to you. I'm laying things down. I've got to go through the cycle and come to the other side. And often it's in the tone of desperation where we find freedom. So let me ask you a real personal question. What trap are you repeatedly falling into? I bet you, you already know. If you don't know, you can ask someone who really loves you and I bet they can tell you. What trap are you repeatedly falling into and are you ready to surrender are you ready to find the pathway to freedom see there's a reason you keep falling into the trap and isn't it time to find out why for your sake and those are in your life those around you and secondly will you ask for help will you let someone else speak into your life
a third party. Maybe you have people around you who can help you. Maybe there's a skilled someone who needs to help guide you. I will tell you, not everybody needs counseling, but most do. And I continue to benefit from it. Finally, I would ask you, would you let us pray for you? We would love to pray for you. After the service, after every service, we have an area right here in the back that we would love to just pray with you today. You can step as soon as we're done with the service back there. I'll be out in the lobby. I would love the honor of praying with you. Maybe it's with your small group where you would come clean and say, look, I just need prayer. Look, it's never too late for a turnaround. It's so important that we embrace that truth. 750 years later, after Jonah, Jesus shows up on the scene and he quotes this story, the story of Jonah. It's found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 40, in the last part of verse 41, I want us to read it. It says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, speaking of himself, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And now, something greater than Jonah is here. And Jesus is saying, Jonah claims salvation is from the Lord. And Jesus declared, I am affirming that salvation is here. And he went to the cross to display love for you and me. And then as he predicted, he was buried in the earth for three days and three nights. It wasn't like he was mortally wounded, he died. And then he miraculously rose from the dead and he conquered death and he conquered every trap you could ever fall into. To declare once and for all to me and to you that you can never be too far and it is never too late. But the rescue always comes from the same source. Salvation comes from the Lord. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way. And he's saying, if you'll come to me, no matter how hopeless you feel, no matter how frustrated or angry or, or burned out or, 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 or you, know, you may feel despondent, you feel like there's no hope, I didn't think I would be here, I didn't think there was an opportunity to move forward, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Salvation comes from the Lord. And Jesus is the source he is the only source. And wherever you are, if you've known Jesus for a long time and you're struggling, salvation continues to come from the Lord. We've got to keep going back to him. Or if you've never come to him and you're wrestling in your own life and in your own faith, let me tell you, salvation comes from the Lord. And he invites you today to surrender. And that is where you will find freedom. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that just as we sang a while ago, that our anchor in you holds in Christ alone. Father, today, whatever the burden is on the heart of someone in this room, God, I pray that they would see that there is hope, that they have not been abandoned, even though it may feel like they have but that you listen to them, you will hear their cry. And you and only you can provide salvation on the backside of surrender. Father, may this be a place where we surrender. 
God, thank you that you walk with us, you rescue us, and you use us no matter what. God, we're grateful for that. Thank you for this story and this encouragement. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.